This is The Catholic Current with Father Robert Mateig. The insight for our time that we need to gain from Augustine is if we're not returning to Christ as individuals and families and communities, then we're just wasting our time. Absolutely, yeah. But I think that that's the real relevance of the city of God today is that you do have this scramble among Christians right now trying to find the next you know, hot ideology that's going to save us all. But what matters for you is the salvation of your soul. That is what needs to be your priority. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTagg of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. As always, let's start with prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, through the intercession of St. Ignatius Loyola, we ask that you pour forth your Holy Spirit upon us, a spirit of discernment that might hear your voice and obey your command. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, Ronald Reagan said many years ago, the most terrifying words are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. I think we have a new set of terrifying words, and that's, uh, this is to benefit women. Why do I say that? You know, the old joke about, you know, with friends like these, who needs enemies? I think this is where we are with the status of women these days. We're dealing with people who want to do this, that, or the other to help women, but they won't admit that women are, you know, real. To help us talk about this and figure out what this mess is, uh, a listener favorite ha- has returned today. She is a Catholic uh, author and political and cultural commentator, and you know her as the Crusader gal, uh, Sarah Kane. Welcome back to The Catholic Current. Thank you so much for having me back, Father. It's always a pleasure. Uh, Sarah, every now and again, I-, I clutch at straws and say, well, maybe today it won't be that bad. And then I read something that you write, and I'm happily disillusioned <laughs> uh, of that. So you I had. I don't have that effect on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to leave some gloom making for me. Uh, you wrote an article about uh, Lyft, the you know the rideshare um, app and uh, company that was absolutely jaw dropping. I said this can't. Well, yes, it is for real. Alas, fill us in on that, please. Absolutely. So Lyft, for those who don't know, is the major contender with Uber. So they have individual individual people who are there and picking up those who want to be transported somewhere via their own personal vehicle. Well, they sent an email to me and presumably to everyone else who uses their platform or who's used it in the past about a, a new program of theirs called Women Plus Connect, and with it, they say that women drivers would be paired with female passengers if both agree to that at a higher rate. However, what was interesting was that they didn't just say women, they didn't stop there to what might make sense, but rather they said women and non-binary people, um, which kind of... Uh, struck me as a little bit odd. And I went and I looked at their website and they actually say both non-binary people, which we can maybe get to in a second in terms of definitions, and also those who are transgender and who claim to be women. So in other words, if I decided that I wanted to take this step to presumably increase my safety by only being paired with a woman because a man has the potential to harm me more easily because of course Mm -hmm. he's stronger than I am well I have to also say that I would be comfortable with being more likely to also get paired with somebody who is also a man oh is a man but claims to be a woman and which is just utterly contradictory and self-defeating well you know I I think of uh, in our, our prison system in the United States men who claim to be women are being reassigned to women's prison and then raping and impregnating the prisoners, the female prisoners. Yes. So I, this seems to be a bit sketchy to me. Friends, we're speaking today with Sarah Kane, the Crusader gal. We're talking about uh, endangering women with transgender uh, ideology. Uh, for those of us who don't regularly look under the rocks of, of the modern world to see what's growing there, could you explain to the listeners what we mean by non-binary persons? 
sure. So those who claim to be non-binary are those who claim to be neither women nor men, but rather a kind of genderless, sexless creature that can be either at any time and will keep you guessing. Or sometimes you would you could believe that they claim to be a sort of plurality of persons because they demand to be referred to as they and them uh, when you're talking about them, even though it's a single individual. So um, the the non-binary is one of the many different categories of the gender war. So instead of acknowledging the biological realities that we are all either men or women, you have those who claim to be neither and those who claim to be the opposite and those who claim all kinds of odd spiritualistic things such as being two-spirit and the like. But non-binary is just one of these where they claim to be able to go back and forth but not fit into any social um, social norms, I guess you could say, or perhaps as they would say. But that's the thing. It's when you claim to be non-binary, you're sort of trying to create your own category of person, saying, I am so special, <laughs> you know, so unique that I don't fit into either of the potential categories that men and women have always fallen into. And instead, I deserve to be treated better due to my own individualism. And really, it's this incredibly narcissistic trait that you see uh, amongst these people. So so ju just to be clear, I mean, Lyft apparently had a good initial insight. You know, you know, we've always teaching, you know, don't talk to strangers, don't get in the car with strangers. And unless you need a ride, then we have an app for that. <laughs> and and some right. folks have figured out, hey, you know, uh, biological men tend to have an advantage over biological women. There, there was an interview recently with a woman who just retired – you know, a very distinguished world-class soccer player, uh, an American, and she and her team of world champions uh, got the stuffings beaten out of them by a group of 15-year-old boys in Germany. Right. Uh, so that would suggest that as a trend, men are, are physically larger and stronger. And if you're dealing with a stranger, that could be concerning for a woman. I get that. So Lyft wants to recognize that and say, hey, if you're a woman, you want to be driven only by a woman. We get that. Unless someone who's bigger and stronger than you wants to be counted as as a woman too, so uh, so giving with one hand, taking with the other. Uh, but looking at your article in your Substack, and we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. You write here: this program was built in partnership with the National Association of Women Law Enforcement Executives and the National Sheriffs Association. I I find that hard to reconcile. But, but what am I missing here? Well, I, I think that it proves that the program's original intent was about safety. Um, we don't know to what extent those two associations were actively involved, whether or not they, they were just there to say, you know what, it's a good idea to pair women with, with women, you mm -hmm. know, and to give them that extra sense of security. I kind of, I lean towards thinking that that was most likely the situation as opposed right. to the National Sheriff's Association saying, or also those people who are just as much of a threat if not i would i would actually argue more so um <laughs> it doesn't that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever so lift i mean has pretty reliably been on the left side of the political spectrum which in the modern age is reflective with the embrace of gender ideology and the refusal to accept any sort of objective truth and of course you know sex is is one of those truths right and we also have, you know, one of those those truths is, on average, men tend to be bigger and stronger, and on average, uh, predators like to prey on the weak rather than the strong. And if you're evil enough to consider sexually assaulting a woman under any circumstance, do you suddenly become a man of honor by saying, "Well, I would never pretend." to be, you know, non-binary or female or whatever in order to have access to, 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 to vulnerable uh, women. Uh, so we, we got about a minute left in, in, in this segment. What's, what's your initial reaction to, to seeing nonsense like this? I think it's troubling that you can quite clearly see in these instances that women no longer are treated as women as in they're not treated as, as people who are inherently more vulnerable. In a society or in a civilization that's worthy of being called such, those who are more vulnerable members of the population would be treated as such and would be protected. 
this is just one indication, I think, of the fact that our civilization is failing to engage in such protections because it's ultimately just falling apart on the fact that it's unable to point to a single foundational truth. And, and you know, sadly, uh, it's not just ride chair. I mean, for, for, I'm I'm a chess player, a bad one, but I, I follow the chess world fairly closely. And historically, with maybe one notable exception, men tend to be significantly better players than women for reasons that no one's been able to figure out. Uh, so we have you know women's leagues, women's divisions, and and so on. And it's been encouraging girls to play and have fun and, and become good chess players. But now you know you've got kind of a women plus thing. I don't know that. Chess players are pretending to be women the way swimmers uh, are pretending to, to to be women. But I, I think it has to be addressed that we are we are being lied to, and that women are being put in danger, and we are facilitating the work of predators, and that has to be confronted. Friends, we come back and continue our conversation with a great friend of the show and a listener favorite, Sarah Kane, also known as the Crusader Gal, Catholic author, a political and cultural commentator. We're going to be linking to all of her good work. Remember, our rallying cry here at the Catholic Current is Christus Mundo, Mundus Christo, bringing Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We do it because our Lord says so. For the greater glory of God, the love of our neighbor, and the salvation of our own soul. After the broadcast today, go to the thestationofthecross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Everything you need to take this conversation to your family and friends, we give to you. Together, let's take it around the world. We can do it with you. We cannot do it without you. Let's do this good work together. Let's help souls. Friends, be back in just two minutes. Please do stay with us. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, your daily host of The Catholic Current. Join me on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern to welcome back author Lila Lawler. We'll be talking about those excluded by the recent Roman Synod. How can this be when we're told that all are welcome? Find out on The Catholic Current on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, coming to you from the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. You're listening to The Catholic Current with Father Robert McTague from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Stay connected with the show and our guests and topics by following the show on Twitter and Gab. Just search for The Catholic Current. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim fullness of truth with clarity and charity. We're talking about endangering women through trans ideology. My returning guest is a listener favorite Catholic author and and commentator, Sarah Kane, better known as the Crusader Gal. Uh, Sarah, you've kind of hit us with a one-two punch recently. Uh, You started with with Lyft saying, you know, women can ride with women to feel safe, but it's women plus, which means also those who are willing to identify as being women when they're not. Uh, And then we're talking also about women's health and, you know, know, women understanding women's health the way that only women can. And yet, uh, why don't you introduce us to Steph Richards? (laughs) <laughs> it would be my pleasure. But yes, yeah, so a one-two punch of really uplifting stories. Um, so in this particular case, Steph Richards is a man and has always been a man. But he now claims to be a woman and a charity in England that is de- dedicated to bringing awareness to endometriosis, which is a women's health condition, has decided to make him into the CEO. So (laughs) this is uh, an extremely painful condition in which endometrial tissue, which lines a woman's uterus, grows elsewhere in her body. Now, the issue here isn't just that Steph is a man and is being made the CEO of a charity that is aimed at women's health. That happens, I think, 
fairly often where you have a mm. man who is an expert in say OBGYN or pediatrics who is mm -hmm. in, involved in like a pregnancy center or something like that but right. but this is a this is a man who pretends to be a woman so he's a man who makes a mockery of womanhood in pretty much everything that he does and moreover he does not have any expertise whatsoever as far as i can discern in the area of women's medicine or medicine actually by his own uh, reports from his twitter profile his linkedin page everything that he writes about himself uh, he describes himself just as in varying forms a trans advocate that's his entire personality it is everything that he does he is the also the ceo of a trans organization that calls themselves translucent so, I mean, this really is absolutely galling that this man who has no reason to be there would be placed in this position while, frankly, making a mockery of it. Because this is, this is a condition that he could never have. Why? Because it's a female condition and women and men are different and they have different conditions, right? So, right. <laughs> so therefore... Uh, it's it's absolutely egregious. Well, I and I notice here on uh, the the photograph taken from from the website, there is a quote. Isn't it ridiculous that I, I've got to my forties before medical professionals even mentioned endometriosis? And then there's a picture of Steph. And frankly, I don't think a man or a woman of that age should be wearing that low cut of a dress. That having been said. Um, a quick glance would have you associate that statement that you know that only a woman could make and associated with Steph, but it was a, a prior staff member who actually has a uterus and who could possibly get endometriosis who was making that claim. So there's a little bit of of three card Monty in here, and I think it, is it fair to say that Steph was hired. Not for you know, administrative skills, not for any sort of medical knowledge, certainly not because of his poignant testimony of being misdiagnosed for endometriosis, but simply because he's a transgender ag advocate, and that's what the cool kids are doing now. Is, is that fair, or am I looking at things with a jaundice eye? You, do you need to cheer me up, Sarah? <laughs> I'm not the person for that. Right. <laughs> Too much Irish within me. But I will say that it would seem that his only qualification for this job, and I really did look, appears to be that he is not a woman. His only mm -hmm. qualification for the job is that he pretends to be um, a woman, and that is all, because there's nothing else there. And the the company itself is constantly talking about how it's an inclusive charity, but that, that just kind of gets a bit confusing. Well, what are we being inclusive of if you're going to be a charity with an aim then surely you have to be exclusive of everything that isn't in accord with your aim you know there's nothing hateful about that it's just simply you have a goal and you're moving toward it um but instead they're so busy trying to engage with the modern narrative of wokeness that instead they just had to choose this man who can do nothing for them except for alienate actual women who are suffering with a, a really serious condition. This is a, a devastating condition for a lot of women out there. Uh, it's right. something that ought to be taken seriously. And and yet instead, they are willing to undermine the entire mission with by putting the, this man in place, who, again, his entire um, existence at this point has been restructured so that all he does is operate as a so-called trans advocate. Friends, we're speaking today with Sarah Kane, the Crusader gal, Catholic author and commentator. We're talking about endangering women through transgender ideology. Uh, you know, the I said that the ad here is certainly misleading. Uh, they do pat themselves on the back for a national diversity uh, award. All right, maybe that's 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 an that's an important thing. But uh, this man, and he is a man, literally brings nothing to the table right. uh you know he you know he he doesn't bring his womanhood he doesn't bring any sort of medical background at all uh 
uh, he does talk about he has a gender recognition certificate. I I I, sh I, I can't think of anything that charitable to say on the air that doesn't involve us losing our license. So I'm just going to walk away uh, <laughs> from that. Um, and then he also claims to uh, he has a rich history supporting women's equality. Well, does that mean that men and women are indistinguishable from each other? And so I'm sure you've seen these ads too. I, I think from from Canada, re reminding women that it's time for their annual prostate exam. Right. Uh, so h how do we how do we begin to to uh, address these things? Are, and then are, are you aware of of any any responses from from anyone in, in the area saying? Uh, <laughs> Anything at all about – is anyone calling shenanigans uh, on this? They've received a lot of outrage across social media uh, from people who were supporting this organization and who counted on the fact that they were bringing more awareness to it because, again, a lot of women are misdiagnosed and that has huge consequences because, I mean, especially untreated, it's likely to cause infertility. Um, so, yes, they've received a lot of pushback, but in so doing, what – ended up happening was that this this man, Steph, who has his own trans organization, they put out essentially a threat on social media in response. So he his his company congratulated himself for becoming the CEO of this other charity and said that they that he deplores the reaction <laughs> uh, that has been had on social media, and then also that they will be raising the transphobia with members of parliament later this week. And so this is where you get very quickly into an area where they want to just silence the speech of those who disagree with them. And so in effect, in this particular case, what that amounts to is a silencing of the very women women who responded uh, with indignation to this this injustice they're being silenced and ironically of course the entire point of an of a charity to raise awareness is to prevent the silencing of something like this um so that's kind of i, I guess a, a great irony in this case but the the push to involve members of parliament i.e to change the law or to get the law better enforced so as to create a culture of fear that people may not speak against um, acts of injustice like this it is really jarring and ought to be shocking to the conscience, I think. Because, I mean, who, who wants a society like that in which the truth can't be spoken? Because that's what we're talking about. What he wants to do, as evidenced by the statement by one of the organizations that he is the CEO of, is to silence those who want to speak the truth about the fact that he is a man who engages in a mockery of women by engaging in dress up and proclaiming that that is the totality of womanhood. Um, he wants to silence those people and have them presumably arrested because that's what happens over in England where this charity is uh, is based, is that people are in fact arrested for, for causing offence, uh, which is probably one of the subjective things ever, of course, but that's, right. the, that's the culture or lack thereof that you're creating, one where people can't speak that which is true. You know, I, I'd be happy to go over there and, and get offended you know, and and maybe maybe I, I can get some I don't know some, some kind of maybe I can cash in on that. I'm I'm very easily offended, but only only rightly so. And, and there was a case. Was it a few months ago? Uh, uh, a young girl who is you know, neurodivergent, you know, on, on the spectrum, and blurted out, looking at a female officer who happened to be a lesbian. You look like my lesbian grandma, and she got taken away from her parents for causing offense. What happens? to a culture where there are just forbidden topics and forbidden observation of the obvious. And can you tell us that in about a minute and a quarter? <laughs> It'd be my pleasure. <laughs> um, well, I think that what you have with a society in which people can't express themselves is a society that over time comes to deny truth, right? Because that's the thing. I, I don't want people to to, to speak lies. That's not what I'm defending here. I'm defending, I'm defending the ability of people to say what is, to speak what what is true, what they see around them. They, they can speak in accordance with reality. And 
that's what the people offending him are doing. They are speaking in accordance with reality. So when you have an entire culture that begins to be, I guess, grounded on the absence of truth or fear of truth, I can't really see that ending well or in anything other than implosion. Because what you have is some people who say what is approved by the government, which is the... Uh, the things in favor of the LGBT mafia, for example, they will say these things and then nobody will be able to respond to them, right? Because they right. won't be able to speak the truth. And in so doing, you'll raise more and more generations of people who've only heard these these falsities. And that that can't sustain. That has to fall apart. And it will I, deserve I, to. I, I don't want to live in a culture that tells children you can't trust your senses, you can't trust your parents, you have to listen to the experts. And I don't think it's hate speech to say, hey, bucko, you don't have a medical background. Friends, we come back and continue our conversation with Catholic author and commentator Sarah Kane, also known as the Crusader Gal. We're going to link to all of her good work. We're talking about trans ideology endangering women. You want to stay with us for the whole hour? In the last segment on this Timely Tuesday, it's you and me sharing time thoughts reflecting on what we've heard today after the broadcast today go to the station of the cross.com get our resources list download our audio as podcast wherever you can find audio you can find us follow us on your favorite platform or at a five-star review we need to attract the attention of the listeners so that these conversations get the attention they deserve let's do it together we're back in just two minutes stay with us This is The Catholic Current from the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. Catch up on an episode you've missed or share them with your family and friends. The Catholic Current is podcasted wherever you enjoy listening. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTigg of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio Global app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. My returning guest today is a listener favorite, Sarah Kane, also known as the Crusader Gal, Catholic author and political and cultural commentator. You want to stay with us for the whole hour and the last segment. It's you and me again sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. We're talking about endangering women for the sake of inclusion. Uh, Sarah, you, you published two recent stories in your substack that are just profoundly disturbing that are endangering women's safety and women's health by agencies, powers, and principalities who insist that there is no genuine, insuperable difference between men and women. And I want to talk about how this is starting to become replicated uh, among our among children. What what we, we've seen, and we've seen this since the the COVID interruption when people started realizing what their kids are being taught in school by watching on Zoom, is you've got adults who claim to be experts who are explicitly declare themselves to be advocates or, or activists of various stripes. And I use the word stripe deliberately. Um, <laughs> and they're teaching kids to, number one, not trust the reports of their – you know, if you're not sure if you're a boy or a girl, look down. Well, apparently that's not enough. And I think even more insidious is you need to keep secrets from your parents, especially about intimate matters. Now, as, as a priest, I have been to every form of safe environment training imaginable. We are taught to be able to detect every slightest hint of grooming. This screams to me as grooming behavior. I think we need to stop this immediately. It's insidious and it puts children in danger. What are your thoughts about this? Absolutely. It's horrific. The idea that an adult would say to a child, don't tell your parents about this, which is what we hear over and over again and what we heard uh, during the, the the COVID lockdowns or became, I should say, we became aware of more during the COVID lockdowns. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's not even 
I, back then, I think the conversations were especially about race that were particularly uh, uncomfortable for the teachers because they didn't want to uh, bring critical race theory and have those arguments with parents. But now what we're talking about is let's have conversations um, about your your sex, your gender. Let's have conversations about uh, what's appropriate in, in terms of what you do uh, with your genitals and all of this away from your parents and don't don't tell your parents let's let's just have it as a secret just between me and you like, uh, that's the sort of thing that parents always would warn their children about and rightly so and, and they still should but anytime a an adult says anything like that to a child something is seriously wrong and i, I kind of wonder if there are uh, people out there who don't really understand what grooming is or how it works and, and maybe we ought to fix that societally because I think people would be more um, apt to see what's going on more clearly because when you have a pedophile uh, who is preying on children, that's how it starts. They begin to have this conversation with a child that is inappropriate to talk with that child about things that the child has never talked to an adult about before, for good reason, I might add. Um, right. And the child feels this this sense that they're especially trusted, or they're, they feel more adult. And then the, the pedophile reinforces this by saying, you're so mature to be able to handle this. And then they get, they establish this kind of perverse relationship where the child believes that they're in some way particularly special to this person and feels a sense of obligation. And then it goes from there to when the predator begins to expect that trust be reciprocated in a physical way. It's it's not a, a, a far leap from exactly where we are with um, the conversations that are taking place right now inside of our schools, inside of libraries with drag queen story hour participants and so on. And the the sexualization of children is also part of grooming. And yet now we live right. in a society over the past 10 years where it's suddenly acceptable to take your kids to um, strip clubs um, because the person who is removing his clothes is dressed as a woman. Uh, I, I have no idea. But all of this comes together to create a society that is or to create more victims, really. It comes together so right. that the pedophile doesn't even have to work as hard because it's already being done by, again, a civilization that doesn't deserve to be called such. Well, you know, sir, I would often ask my, my students when I was teaching ethics, we would talk about this or that policy or proposal. I said, does this help us build a moral house in which we would want to live? Now, the, the church has always been clear that the primary educators uh, of children are their, their parents. Um, and that has to be, I mean, the relationship between parent and child has to be sacrosanct. And yet I, ideologues, and you know, I'm looking at you, California, who you know, have legislation about, you know, if your parents don't respect your, your, uh, your gender-affirming care, which they mean their sex-mutilating care, then people with badges and guns will come to your house and, and forcibly take your, your child away. I don't understand why more people aren't outraged about this. I, I don't know why pastors aren't screaming uh, about this in, in the pulpit. I be, Is it fair to ask, what are people doing that's so darned important that we don't have the time and the energy to protect our children from something so obviously grotesque? So once again, sir, I'm asking you, am I, am, am I just getting excitable again and I need to calm down? Uh, no, not at all. I think this should be a priority because ultimately children are being mutilated and taken away from their children uh, uh, and children are being taken away from their parents if the parents object to this mutilation. Like, I don't know that I could look on a culture in the West in the past that was in some way worse than that. I mean, what is that that's worse than mutilating the children? And in some of these cases, the children have actually died in these botched surgeries. Or there's the fact that the suicide rates amongst those post-surgery uh, are often worse. The fact that these, these people don't grow out of a phase of confusion because they've been taking puberty blockers. The fact that they're sterilized for life. Like The implications are huge. And I, I do think that part of it is the incrementalism that people are so susceptible to. So 
I, I know we saw this again. This is something that we saw sort of paralleled in the the COVID era. I think if the powers that be had come out from the beginning and and said, well, we're going to close everything down, all the businesses and all the churches, and we'll open them up when we say so. And you're required to take, I don't know, five vaccines, and you're required to wear the mask the whole time, and you can't question. And if you do, if you have a party or something, we're going to you know take away that you're going to take you away and put you in jail. And in some cases, we're going to cut off your power if we see that you've had a party like happened in some places in California. Um, if they came out all at once like that, I think people would have just rebelled. And instead, it was in a gradual, incrementalism with people saying, well, we already accepted that, you know, we would take the beginning. And so therefore, is this really that much worse than the last thing that we accepted? Is it enough to, to rebel for? And I think in the case of the gender war, you see something similar that is similarly nefarious. So, you know, you you start off with some of these sexual education programs in the school, which are far more, were form, far more than should have been um, brought into schools, because again, this is something that parents should have been talking about the, to their kids with um, when they felt it was appropriate. But you, you went from there uh, to the gradual, well, you know, if they, if they bring homosexual discussions into the school i mean it's kind of part of society anyway and we're already they're already having this conversation they already have sexual education classes and and it just kind of progressively got worse and worse to where we are now which i mean i mean most of it just isn't fit for radio and yet it's apparently fit according to some people for school systems you know (laughs) that's that's unbelievable a, a, right. a lot of, you know, I, I produce YouTube videos. A lot of the stuff that is said in classrooms to those in like sixth grade, I could not say without the videos being taken down because they wouldn't be considered to be appropriate. Well, it's like parents going to Board of Education meetings and reading from books that their children took out of the school library and then people with badges and guns carrying them away for obscenity. Yes. Uh, so we, we've reached that level of madness. And friends, I, I, I want to make clear, you know, you've got to be careful. You don't only you don't want strangers in your home through the front door. You also don't want them through your children's electronic devices. I, I've been talking to a, a number of family physicians around the country, and they 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 said, you know, they they talk about. Uh, transgenderism is kind of contagious, especially among teenage girls the way anorexia was a, a good number of years ago, and they're getting it through through social media, that it's the way to gain status and the way to gain attention, and that, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, mental illnesses that you ordinarily wouldn't see, uh, you know, things that we would rightly describe, one hopes, as rare, if I may use that word, uh, now... Uh, it, it's becoming more and more commonplace because we're, we're normalizing and valorizing what is obviously significant mental illness. And also, some things are moral and legal crimes. You know, a, adults who are not doctors and are not parents shouldn't be talking to young children uh, about intimate matters of, of sex. I mean, Michael Hitchborn from the Lepanto Institute had a horrifying investigative report of children being given illustrated gay porn paid for by by Catholic dollars. Uh, Sarah, what kind of advice would 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 you be giving uh, to to parents? I mean, other than you know you know the old George Carlin joke, you know, be alert. America needs more alerts. Where where do parents need to be looking? I think that what we what we have here. I mean, there, there are so many different angles uh, right now that make this a problem. But you're absolutely right with the the advent of every child needs a smartphone. I think is horrendous. Actually, um, I don't think every child needs a smartphone. I think that so many would be better off without them. And I know that's actually considered really controversial to say. Um, now, I'm not that old, but I grew up without one and, and I made it. Um, <laughs> but the idea that there would be this kind of material um, that pushes hypersexualization onto children at young ages, that encourages this uh, trans fad, which is not is not equivalent to some of the ridiculous fads of the past, like, say, the punk uh, fad and that kind of thing, which I think people sometimes file it under. This is a a destructive ideology that results in mutilation, sterilization, and suicide. 
Like it's absolutely destructive. And and that's just one area. You also, you know, you have the hypersexualization of children in other ways, the unfortunately the foisting of, of porn, pornography upon them, uh, which does damage their brains. There's been a lot of research about that. Um and I think they deserve to be protected from this. And so you have to ask yourself as a parent as to what the help to harm is with this. I know parents who give their kids non-smartphones and they're called feature films um, instead so that the child can still reach them in an emergency, which was the entire right. point in the phone in the first place. Um, right. but, but at the same time, doesn't have to be bombarded. And honestly, I think that's healthier in so many ways. I, I regret personally needing to be on so many social media platforms as part of my job. But oh, I know nice. that kids kids are, and they're getting constant beeps and alerts and stresses and dopamine hits from every every like and, and stressor. There are schools now that are, are banning smartphones, which I think is fabulous inside of right. schools to give kids some of that freedom and privacy right. and peace. I, I, I would also like to see uh, phones of every type banned in churches either, but that's that's another topic for another time. <laughs> uh, Sarah Kane, the Crusader Girl, thank you for another fascinating conversation. God bless your good work. We do look forward to next time. Thank you, Father. It's always a pleasure. I really appreciate it. I'm Jesuit Father Robert McTagg. It's Timely Tuesday at the Catholic Current. You know what that means? Last segment, you and me sharing timely thoughts, reflecting on what we've heard today. After the broadcast today, go to thestationofthecross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Be part of the conversation. Follow what we're following by following us on Gab. That's gab.com. And you can influence the conversation. You can contact us at thestationofthecross.com slash askfather. We read everything that you send us. We're in this together. Friends, we'll be back in just two minutes. Please do stay with us. Baptism. It is the foundation of the Christian life. We become therefore members of the church at baptism. Baptism gives us strength and the right to be Christians and to act as Christians and to take part in Christian worship, the height of which is the Eucharistic celebration. Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Have a question or feedback about today's episode? Want to suggest a guest or a future topic? Go to thestationofthecross.com slash askfather and help influence the conversation. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Father Robert McTague of the Society of Jesus, your daily host for the Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. You're listening to us from the Station of the Cross Studios, your local radio station, and the iCatholic Radio mobile app, where we proclaim the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. So, last segment of Timely Tuesday, you know what that means, Timely Thoughts, you and me sharing some reflections on what we heard today. My returning guest was a listener favorite Catholic author and commentator, Sarah Kane, better known as the Crusader Gal. We're talking about endangering women for the sake of inclusion. Now, there are so many newsworthy, noteworthy, and mostly appalling things to talk about in 10 minutes. One hardly knows where to begin. So I'm going to govern that with the idea of the powers and principalities of this world telling you that you can't trust your lying eyes, that the obvious isn't obvious, and that if something is broken and isn't working, somehow it's because you don't understand the new definitions of broken and working. And I, I, I just, I, I can't put up with that. But let me just give you some, some quick examples of people trying to gaslight us. Uh, the New York governor uh, is collecting data from surveillance efforts on social media to combat hate speech for your safety. Uh, Joe Biden of Scranton claims that climate change is the ultimate threat to humanity. Uh, governor Gavin Newsom of California said, yes, we did 
clean up the feces on the sidewalk and we did uh, clean out the areas where IV drug users are passed out on the curb and we did do it because the premier of China is driving by and yes that's exactly why we did it so if it's not impossible for to do for them to do it now doesn't that mean they chose not to do it all the other times I uh, I, I, I scratch I scratch my head uh, Gosh, the one thing after uh, another. Um, it's that time of the year again where um, people thirsting for justice decide to rob FedEx and Amazon trucks. It's that time of year again where people are walking into um, Home Depot, uh, you know, Kroger's, Costco, etc., and just filling up their carts and walking out with stuff. It's also apparently a new form of social interaction is that, you know, Walmart, Costco, etc. People beat the living bejabbers out of each other and even hurl merchandise at each other. And there is no consequence. There is no consequence. A dear friend of mine who's a principal at a public high school and he's the kind of if you're gonna have a public high school it's the guy you want to have as the principal and he says the new thing now among the the young scholars in his care especially among the young men is to steal cars because there's no consequence they're out on the street in under 24 hours and they they get to do it again i'm going to go out on a limb here and say this is not a good idea we're not building a moral house in which we wouldn't want to live and the idea of you know shut up he explained that somehow this is hate speech or causing offense or the or you're an ist of some kind of ism or you're phobic for noticing things that are obviously wrong, like having mentally ill perverts dressed as as women, mentally ill perverts who are registered sex offenders dressed as women, you know, doing story time hour for young children. I noticed that these men don't want to do this at senior citizens nursing homes. Why do they want to do that? for young children. Um, on and on it goes, the coin of phrase. Some redemptive, I won't say good news, but some re redemptive news. Uh, the healthcare system in, in the United Kingdom, where I used to live, is determined to have young children die horrible deaths uh, because someone has decided that their life isn't worth living and someone important has decided that their life isn't worth trying to save, even if other people in other countries say, we will pay for all the expenses, let us try to save the child. And the powers and principalities of the United Kingdom have said, no, it is better for us to stand watch and make sure the child dies. So there was another tragic case of uh, Indy Gregory, Similar situation, very young child, tragic health condition. Uh, Italy said, fly the child to us, we'll take care of everything. We'll at least try, we'll pay for it ourselves. And, and the UK said no. Um, as I understand it, the, uh, the child was baptized before she died and uh, the father was baptized also. So that is, that is a win. It, it occurs to me that I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge that Bishop Strickland was removed from office as the Bishop of Tyler, Texas, uh, by, by the Holy See. Um, I've looked for why this happened. Uh, Cardinal Donardo of Galveston, Houston, said that there was an apostolic visitation and determined that Bishop Strickland's governance was no longer feasible. I, I don't, I'll just say I, I don't know what that means. I, I know that removing a bishop from office is a very, very significant act. I'm not a canon lawyer. I don't know if proper procedures were followed. I, I will say this much until I, I talk to more knowledgeable people. It sure looks bad because serial sex abuser Father Rupnik has been incarnated in a diocese in, um, in Slovenia. And uh, the Holy See was okay with that. And only recently, after blowback, um, lifted the statute of, of limitations so there can be further investigations. But it was bad enough for the Society of Jesus to kick Father Rupnik out. And at one point, half him excommunicated. And he was restored by the Holy See. 
So compare that to Bishop Strickland. It just looks really bad. I'll have more to say on that later. You know, before you know it, Advent will be here. And Advent just isn't the pre-Christmas shopping season. It is a holy season in its own right. There are unique graces available to us for Advent if we know where to look and we know how to pray for them. I've written about that in the past. I'll be making those writings available to you. Uh, for now, I'll, I'll say this much. If we have anything to celebrate at Christmas, it is the fact that God keeps his promises and that the prophecies of God are not lies. And Christian hope isn't wishful thinking. You'll never hear me say on the air, don't worry, I just know everything will be okay. I don't know that. What I do know is that God is faithful. I do know that there is no lie in the Christ of God. I do know that the Christ of God is not some absentee landlord who's simply going to collect the rent at the end of time. You've heard me say it here very often, Christ crucified is Christ risen, is Christ reigning, is Christ returning. Even now, Christ the King reigns. Authority over heaven and earth has been given to him by his Father. And we either cooperate with his reign or we don't. We already know what it looks like when we do not cooperate with the Christ of God. I am tired of it. How about you? I think I know your answer to that. We need to talk in the future. Where do we go from here? I'm Jesuit Father Robert McTague, your host here every day of the Catholic Current. You want to join us tomorrow, we're going to be welcoming back Lila Lawler. We're going to be talking about guess who's excluded from the Synod. I'm willing to bet you won't be surprised by that. It's going to be a very lively conversation. After the broadcast today, go to thestationofthecross.com, get our resources list, download our audio as podcast. Wherever you can find audio, you can find us. Everything you need to take us to your family and friends, we give to you. Together, let's take it around the world. Through the intercession of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, may mighty God bless you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace, and please do pray for me. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Station of the Cross.com, a listener funded nonprofit organization. Please prayerfully consider donating at the Station of the Cross.com by calling 1 877 888 6279 or through our free iCatholic Radio mobile app.